I mean, I guess really it doesn't surprise me because there are some fucking weird laws in this country. Oh, yeah, like the one where you can't put ice cream in your pocket in Minnesota. <laughs> right. <laughs> On a Sunday. Oh, uh, there goes my weekend. Shit. <laughs> Welcome to two maddening hours of horror and fright. We didn't lie to you, folks. We told you we had living, breathing monstrosities. Children of the night. What music they make. Fantasized about being killed. I'm running this fucking court now, Frankenstein, and I want to know what the fuck you're doing with my time. Hi, I'm Candy the Final Girl, and this is the house that screams. We, we accept, accept you, one of us, Google Gobble. That works. <laughs> Sounds good to me. And tonight we have Shaun of the Dead. Hi. Yeah, we're just we're just doing that. <laughs> uh, we have Crystal. Hi. We have Dave German. Hello. We have Erica Wright. Hey, hey. And we have returning guest, Larry Sternshine. Why are you laughing at me? <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised she got your name right this time. I always fuck it up because it's my cousin Vinny syndrome. Oh, that's fine. <laughs> We're just a bunch of youths. It's cool. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so being the guest, Larry, you get to start off the conversation on the 1932 film Freaks. All right. So, hey, this is my first episode having not seen a movie prior to asking to be on i wanted to watch something classic something from like the 30s so when i saw that freaks was there i'm like yes i can mark this off my list and uh the there's two things that struck me about freaks the well three things the first thing would be that um the script is surprisingly clever there's lots of really good lines that uh, are in there that i'm actually kind of glad we didn't spoil because there's some really good jokes that i think you People who are watching the first time are going to be like surprised. And a lot of that probably has to do with the pre-code version of this movie. Um, it's also very empathetic towards the freaks as well, which surprised me because after it, I was like, this is not really even a horror movie for like 90% of the movie. It's just like, here's people at the backstage of a, a, of a carnival. Um, so I thought that was the other interesting thing about it. So, but it was it was it was a movie that I was really glad I watched, and uh, a lot a lot of surprises for me on, on this one. Definitely. Yeah, that's a that's a great way to start the conversation. I'm gonna jump in really quick. Um, as we know, I have a deep love for horror, and I have a deep love for classic films. 
And um, I love pre-code horror. We did discuss this a little bit on a recent conversation of an episode that, um, as of this recording, has not been released. But um, we'll get into that at some other point. But um, this movie always stayed with me because I got the fucking creeps from it. Not because of the so-called freaks, but it's... Um, you know, that didn't bother me. I did really, like like Larry said, feel the empathy. It, it has a surprising amount of that. Where, um, and I want to make sure I get the name right, so let me consult my notes. Um, it, there's a book called Subversive Horror Cinema, Countercultural Messages of Films from Frankenstein to Present by John Towson. And he thinks the film is more about anti-eugenics, um... And that there's just so much sympathy that it's not exploitation. Um, where it was accused of that earlier on, it had sort of a renaissance in the 60s where people started to look at this film differently. This film was banned in so many countries. There's actually places still in the U.S. where it's technically still banned. That's, that's so that's crazy. Like a, a real thing. Wow, that is crazy. Yeah, and like they never really unbanned it. I, I'm sure you're fine. I mean, I guess really it doesn't surprise me because there are some fucking weird laws in this country. Yeah, like, that's like, yeah, like the one where you yeah. can't put ice cream in your pocket in Minnesota. <laughs> right. <laughs> On a like Sunday. My, uh, yeah. There goes my weekend. Shit. Yeah, no ice cream in your pocket. But um, <laughs> I, that is a, 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 a law somewhere. I read that. But um, <laughs> yeah, so, um, you know, our so called freaks. You know, you really get this, like, sense of unity. You get this sense of family, you know, where the whole, quote, you know, we accept you, one of us. And and then that opening line in there where the guy's sort of talking about the attractions in the, the so-called freak show, which, you know, luckily no longer exist. Um, you know, just like, yeah, society has luckily gotten smart on that. These people should not be treated like that. They were born this way and um you know they learn to adapt and 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 live their lives happily but you know it should definitely not be put in a freak show but i, I think that that this movie for 1932 often considered todd browning's best film over dracula mind you um which was you know the year before um this film is is intelligent it's sympathetic i mean you just really get a sense of family and then, you know, there is, of course, that typical 30s overacting of when we've got Hercules and Cleopatra. We can go more into that later. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, it's just, like, way overdone, but it works. So, um, Dave, Crystal? Well, like uh, Larry, I had not seen this before, uh, what, yesterday? The day before yesterday when we watched Last it? Night. Last night. And uh, I, I was aware of it. I was aware of that uh, people consider it significant, but I avoided it, I think, because I was uncomfortable I thought it was going to be more of a an exploitative treatment of the the people with the uh, you know physical abnormalities, um, and I was just taken away by um, how that's not what it was at all, and also how uh, beautiful it is. The black and white is gorgeous in this. It's it's a beautifully filmed. It's actually a really I was expecting sort of a low budget, grainy, exploitive uh, you know piece of trash, and this is actually this is a real movie. It's unfortunate that it got so uh, had to be so edited down. I guess we'll talk about that. But I, and I love, um, yeah, I love the the, the portrayal of the um, the so called freaks. You get to see them sort of normalized. The, the first, 
80% of the film, they're just going about their daily routines. You see them hanging up their wash and, you know, cooking or whatever. It, it, it normalizes them. The, the, the real horrible people are the, are the so-called normal people, which I guess is the whole point of the film. But I was really blown away. I was really happy to watch it for the first time so it could really have an impact on me. It's not something, you know, I hadn't seen it a hundred times before. Now I can see why it's uh, considered a classic because it is. Absolutely. Yeah. I grew up watching this film. Like, um, I can't remember the first time that I saw it, but I, I remember being young and seeing this. And I've always loved this movie. Um, I, I've always liked uh, black and white films, always loved um, silent films and, and 1920s, 1930s films. I got that from my grandparents. Uh, and I, I assume um, since I, I remember this movie from being very young that I probably watched this with my grandparents growing up. Uh, but I have always loved this. I, I remember um, that my grandfather would tell me about um, the uh, cuckoo girl because she was from Georgia. Uh, she was actually from Raven County, which is the northeastern county in Georgia, the, the farthest up in the mountains, the furthest uh, mountain county in Georgia. So I remember him telling me about her when I was little. But my grandparents used to tell me about all every movie that we watched was black and white or an old movie. They would tell me about all of the actors and actresses in it because I was a little six-year-old sitting with them uh, doing the crossword puzzle in the back of the TV guide. So um, I, I've always... Love, loves this movie um, and uh, how it this you know personalized um, the aforementioned freaks. It, it really took their their side um, and and showed you just how normal everybody was. Yeah. Um. Who would like to go next? Uh, well, like so, kind of like Dave and Larry. I had watched this for the first time. Uh, God, it's been months now, um, but Candy had, had kept, you know, talking about it, and, and I'd known about it. I had seen clips of it uh, throughout the years, so I was familiar with it, but had been very trepidatious about watching it, um, and we finally sat down and watched it. You know, Candy's going through this, you know, have to show Sean the classics. Um, I didn't watch a whole lot of classics growing up. And she's shown me some really fucking awesome movies. And this is one of those films that we sat down and watched, and it literally blew me away. It is so good. And, and you know, the, the black and white looks fantastic. It's just everything about this film was, was so intriguing and so awesome. Um, you know, the whole concept of, you know, for those not familiar with this film— um, the, the trapeze artist, uh, she finds out that this midget or this little person, um, he's a little person is, um, getting an inheritance. And so she fakes falling in love with him, hoping that she can get the money. Now that's a, that's a, a tale told through time. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, Kanye West wrote a fucking song about it, you know, with <laughs> fucking gold diggers. Um, and, and, and so like anybody could tell that story, but this film, this film could not be made today. No, no, this is, this is a film that could only be made 
in that time period. And even then, look at how how badly it was accepted, you know, how mm-hmm. how how much it was edited down. You know, you had members of the studio that wanted to have nothing to do with it. Um, you had like F. Scott Fitzgerald got sick, you know, it made him nauseous, you know, and, and this was so unaccepting at that time, you know, so this, something like this couldn't be done now, but it's, it's Mm -hmm. interesting because it's such a testament to how we treat people who are different than us. And that's, I think that's what blows me away about it. And the, and the last, the last 10 minutes of this absolute fucking horror film. Yeah. Right. You can yeah, you yeah. can you can tell me that this is not a horror film, but the last ten minutes of this, wow. Yeah, I would love to see the full ninety minute. Yeah, imagine what we didn't get to see. Absolutely. Yeah, and we don't even have like the Transylvania salt mines. Yeah, like this I'm, just uh, doesn't like, exist. It, it I'm praying that somebody finds film. it in their attic or something. You know, <laughs> yeah. well, if the film has been preserved, it will tr- cr- crumble to yeah. dust. Yeah. yeah, you know what's going to happen, Dave. You know what's going to happen. It's gonna show. It's gonna show up on Antique Roadshow like twenty years down the road. <laughs> and when they that. open that film canister, it's going to go poof. Yeah, somebody's gonna find it in like some ancient Whoa. armoire or some shit. It has to be preserved though, because yeah. TCM's really big at raising funds for preserving films. Let, yeah. let me have my dreams. <laughs> right. <laughs> we all you have know, that it, dream. But it's just never gonna happen. Like Event Horizon, we're no. It's never gonna happen. Yeah. You know how you said this kid moved in today. It kind of gave me um, the the feel of Nightmare Alley that just yes. came out it, and they didn't, they, sh- they did a little bit with kind of sideshow acts and what you, you could call freak show, but even they played it safe. Yeah. It's, it's funny you say that because when I was looking through reviews, it, there was an older review from a couple of years ago that that made a comparison to Nightmare Alley and said that those are the <laughs> two, the two films that could never be re- remade. And, you know, of course, obviously that was before Nightmare Alley was remade. Right. But I thought I thought that was interesting because when I saw that, I was like, wait a minute, hold the phones. Right. I would have to point out for anyone who's seen season four of American Horror Story, they did the yes. episode. Yeah. They they heavily paid tribute to this film and had some of the same disturbing elements from it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm not but, an American Horror Story fan, and the whole time that I was watching that season, which is the only season I I really invested myself in, because I'm such a fan of Freaks, um, you know the movie, um, I was just like they just ripped stuff apart, and I I always call um American Horror Story the Edge Lord show, like they're just <laughs> trying to see what they can it get away with. It kind of is. When you when you I do I do love that show and I like most of the seasons. There were a couple seasons I thought were like just not well executed no. and kind of done from a writing standpoint. I think but there things I get. I do I'm like sorry, sorry, Sean. I th- I think there there were elements of that season uh, that they paid homage to Freaks. Yeah, but, but when you talk about pushing the boundaries, when you see the Lobster Boy, yeah, like when he's finger banging. The chick, spoiler yeah, alert. Um, wife's, uh, yeah, club. <laughs> yeah, and I was like, okay, you know, and this is the sh- this is a show that my daughter wanted me to watch with her, and <laughs> and here's and here's Lobster Boy finger banging this chick, you know, and I'm just like, okay, I, I gotta I go. 
always exactly. early in the season, but then it becomes this really great, like heartwarming and or redemptive thing, like by the end of the season. But you have to sit through the edgelord stuff to get to that. Right, just- right. And I just don't like to invest that kind of time. I, I, I just, when people hear that I don't like American Horror Story, that how can you call yourself a horror fan? I'm like, I just call myself a horror fan. It's just not for yeah, me. Yeah, you, you don't have to like that show. I, I do like it for the most part. My whole family likes it, but me, I just like don't like it. Yeah, my sister likes it, and I, I wasn't. I tried it. it. I couldn't get into it. Like I tried um, it on, and it didn't fit, so I had to return it. But um, Larry, um, speaking of tributes, um, have you guys seen Basket Case Two? Basket Case Two is clearly uh, modeled after Freaks, complete with like I don't a very similar plot point. I don't think I saw the second one. Mm-hmm. I know I saw the original basket oh, case. case. Basket case two has some amazing practical effects in that movie to to make up all the different um, freaks, I guess, in, in that one. Um, but it's it's straight up about it's freaks, but it's basket case sequel. It's definitely mm-hmm. worth uh, checking out. I think because nice. it's a very unique sequel with all these different uh, practical effects to create the different people in it. And um, has a great nihilistic ending and stuff. So uh, that's another one you can double feature with Freaks pretty easily. I respect Frank Henenlotter. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I um, wanna... oh, oh, sorry. I'm sorry, go ahead, Erica. Yeah, so yeah, I guess I didn't mention my intro to this movie. I saw it many, many years ago. So I know I've mentioned on the show before that my uh, parents were not like big advocates of horror that kind of thing but one thing i could always get my mom to watch would be anything on turner classic movies sometimes this movie you know a film played on turner classic movies along with other classic horror films so we would sit down and watch those so um yeah like she was kind of like shocked at how i don't know like disturbing and graphic this was for for of that time period um but yeah i i love the hell out of this film it was great revisiting it for this podcast episode um and i do want to mention briefly there's some great films to check out because i always have to plug some yeah like academic stuff there's the monster show by david uh, j skull which is uh, great has like a, a big section on this there's one called censored screams british ban on hollywood horror in the 30s so, of course, Freaks was one of the very controversial films that was banned and they required all kinds of cuts for it. And one that, like a book that's a little more obscure, but very relevant because it was definitely something of uh, the time period. It's on my Kindle. A uh, book by Angela M. Smith, Hideous Progeny, Disability, Eugenics, and the Classic Horror uh, and Classic Horror Cinema. So there's that book. Um, but yeah, definitely check those out if you want to get into more of like the academic analysis of these uh, of this film in particular. Yeah, uh, definitely. Um, I wanted to point out uh, about the Earls, which mm-hmm. um, they played Hans and Frida, yes, the little people um, who are you know in a way sort of the main characters. Um, but in real life, they were brother and sister, so they had to play down the love story. So you see, like, you know, a lot of words exchanged, but they don't get, like, romantic with each other. Whereas you see, like, you know, Cleopatra, you know, oh, 
will you rub my shoulder? You know, where he can, you know, he'll touch her and, you know, Hercules and, and her making out and it's just bleh. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, they, that, they had to play that, that down because they're brother and sister. But I mean, how cute is Daisy? Like, oh my God, she is so precious. And just like, I mean, like she's beautiful. Yeah. Like, just that that 30s style makeup i mean and the hair looked so great on her and i oh, just yeah. i think she was just stunningly beautiful but i just thought it was interesting they're like oh you know we'll have them play beyonce's and it's like i don't i'd, I'd be like well if you told me that i had to do that with my brother in a film um i'd be a little uncomfortable yeah mm-hmm. yeah it would be it would be a little sure. uncomfortable yeah, but back then, you know, they had to bring the bread home. They were oh, part yeah. of the doll family. Yeah. Um, and because she was proportioned correctly, even though she was uh, miniature, mm-hmm. um, she was actually the mini Mae West was mm-hmm. what kind of her gimmick was. Right. Um, but, but there were two more sisters and they all actually kind of retired from acting and lived in Florida in a house that they had um like doll furniture built specifically for them and then they kind of had a doll house built in the front yard and had people pay to come see that house of kind of what they lived in that's kind of how they continued to make money after acting and for me it's like i the one thing i didn't write in my notes was the name of the disorder that caused it it was pro well, they had um, pituitary dwarfism. They had hypo hypopituitarism. So that caused the dwarfism. That caused the dwarfism. Yeah, but they they were stupendous in this film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. They carried it. Okay. Um. Who's next? All right. Great show. <laughs> Glad to have you all. I mean, because you guys know I can keep talking, but I don't. I'm trying to be. Yeah. Well, I just I I, I kind of want to talk about like how this film like pretty much ruined Todd Browning's career. Yeah, like it absolutely did. Yeah, he spent the rest of his life like in an alcoholic down spiral. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I know that that he did uh, he did a film after this called The Devil Doll, mm-hmm. and great and, film. Great but film. but it was like like he was on a leash. Like the studios mm-hmm. put him on a leash, and after he did that film, like he was like he lived a life of fucking obscurity after that. Yeah. And, but the reason he got this genius. film is because he had come off of Dracula, and they said, "We'll make anything you want," and then he makes what he wants, and like, okay, never, right? Yeah, never, yeah, yeah we're never yeah. letting you make what you want again. Like, well, you let me make whatever I wanted. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, it's kind of, you see that today. Like, take take the leash off Elon Musk and see what the fuck mm-hmm. happens. You know, right. <laughs> yeah i um this is you know an mgm film and and that's why it looks so good is this is a major studio doing this film and i'm i'm glad that they did it i'm not glad about what went on behind the scenes and how they were treated you know the um people with the different disorders were treated and kept separate um I'm not happy about that, but the reason that we have what we have and why it looks so good is because MGM did it. Mm-hmm. And, um, 
you know, as much as I love Dracula, and we all know how much I love Dracula, like, I love, love Dracula, but uh, this is a better film. This is a much, much better film. Yeah. And, well, and and real quick before Larry goes, you talk about how they how they kind of segregated and separated. Um, I had read that they had built like uh, tables for them to eat their lunch outside, so that they yeah. wouldn't they have special to, tents. Yeah, so they didn't have to mingle with the normal people. Yeah, the ones that couldn't pass off and look like normal people. Uh, it's just fucked they, up. Yeah, yeah it is fucked up. They were not allowed in the commissary. It's so crazy. Yeah. That makes you wonder who are really the freaks here. Right. Yeah. Well, I think that's the whole that's the whole point of the oh, movie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Larry. Uh, so I was just looking up uh, real quick because I remember watching the credits to the movie and they were saying it was based off of a story. And I was wondering if anybody has read the story Spurs and can kind of talk about what they might have took him from that to create the uh, the movie because one of the writers, at least on this one, is a really good screenplay writer. So I was kind of curious about the short story. I haven't read the short yeah, story. I just read the synopsis I know, to get I, ready. I, I've only read the synopsis. I have not read the short story. I read the short story um, years ago, but I didn't reread the synopsis going into this to refresh my memory or anything. But I remember it being very short because it, it appeared. Short. Yeah, because it appeared in a magazine, so it was only a few. In eighteen twenty-three. Yeah, it was only a few pages long. Um, but and it just pulled themes from it. Um, the film did. Yeah, because um, like Harry Earls is who brought it to uh, Browning's attention uh, to to be like, "Hey, you should make this movie, and I should star on it," because. Uh, they worked together on, um, what was it, The Uncanny Three? The Unholy Three. Unholy Three, yes, yes. Unholy Three. Yeah, which, was, which is a good movie. That's a good movie, too. Yeah, well, he plays apparently a real little shit, right? He's a real he cool, does, yeah. Yes. He's an actually evil person. Yeah. Then, yeah, which uh, I'll need to watch that. Yeah, that's that a really good portrayal. movie. Portrayal. Yeah, that's a really good movie, too. Which has Lon Chaney in it. Lon Chaney is the star of that movie. Yeah, Lon Chaney and, and Browning worked together on what half a dozen eight films, mm -hmm. six, six, eight films. Lon Chaney, this was actually supposed to be a vehicle for Lon Chaney. Yeah, because he did that one film with Browning. I can't remember the name of it, where he plays uh, like a gangster who doesn't have his lower legs. He stops at the yeah. knees. So, but he played it like with his legs tied back. And with yes, his it was the penalty. I fucking love the it's penalty. A, it's a great. Yeah, movie. I need to watch that too. There's a bunch of movies I need to watch now. And, and I think yeah. you can watch it free on YouTube because it's like in public domain, maybe, or something yeah. like that. But it's phenomenal. See, I'm telling you, Dave, these classic films, it's a fucking wormhole, man. It is, yeah, but right. it's, like, <laughs> it's such a, it's such a she, fun ride. She showed me one fucking uh, 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 Humphrey Bogart movie, and next thing uh -huh. I know, like, I'm watching all of them. Well, if it's got a lot of chain in it, I want to watch it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She was a fascinating character oh yeah Lon Chaney is amazing one of my I mean, favorite stuff, the stuff he would go fish hooks in his in his cheeks to pull his grin, grin back into that rictus and yeah, <laughs> oh, just, yeah. Oh, man of a thousand faces yeah I mean, he was the big inspiration for yeah, if I get Tom a paper Savini. cut I, if I get a paper cut I have to take a sick day yeah. <laughs> yeah, Tom Savini's son is named Lon yeah yeah, Tom Savini took all of his inspiration from man man with, from that with a thousand faces god I can't fucking talk tonight <laughs> 
So yeah, I was, uh, oh, go ahead. I was excited that uh, they had Daisy and Violet uh, Hilton in this movie um, because they did this movie and they went on tour. They were they were famous worldwide as the Siamese twins, and then they did one other movie in their career. And it was because, um, like, this movie kind of paralleled one getting married and the other was not necessarily a party girl or anything, but, you know, the the husband or fiancé of the other was like, I don't, you know, I don't want your hangover, you know, because of her, you know, that's her hangover that you're, you know, you have the, you have the after effects of or whatever. but. One was one was engaged in real life. No state would give her a marriage license. They could not get married, and um, so the uh, the twins made a movie in '62, I think it was, that really showed kind of their life. It was a scripted movie, but it showed their life, and people then kind of felt so bad about how they had been treated, it ruined their career. That's kind of like, you know, that sideshow act. Um, and they they live, one got married for 11 days, and then the other was married for, I think, nine years. But I like how in the movie, one is talking to the guy that they're going to, that she's going to get married to, and the other is talking to her fiancé, and the guys meet and they're like, oh, we'll see you. We'll see you at this house. Yeah, they say, right, they say, you're going to have to come visit, which I thought was one of the best lines in the movie because it makes you like, it gives you a little bit of a head to it. It's like, wait a second. Where are they? You're going to have to come visit us. Yeah. And I love the scene where the one the one girl kisses the fiance and the other girl takes pleasure from it. You can see her kind of, yeah, it's an interesting, uh, interesting um, sort of uh, take on that. Like, because we always wondered that about uh, is, is Siamese twins still appropriate conjoined conjoined conjoined, conjoined twins. twins like how much they actually share? Yeah, and and the thing about Daisy and Violet, they were only conjoined in their hip bones and the bottom of their sacral spine. Nothing else. They shared no yeah, major. So they were, they were lucky in a way that they could still move fairly well. As opposed to some, they're conjoined like at the skull or well, right. had they been born. Today or in the last, you know, twenty years of medicine, they would have they been able to separate easily them. separated. Yeah, but I believe uh, that it, it was found that when one of them was reading something, the other one could understand what was read. Right. Yes. Yes. Which a lot of twins that aren't even conjoined have that kind of ESP between them, where they yeah. can. My brothers are twins, but they're fraternal. And mm-hmm. You've never met two different people. They're never on the same wavelength. <laughs> right. they're, they're, you would not think that my. If you met my brothers, you wouldn't. You would say they're brothers, but there's no way one even looks older than the other. One's shorter. One's taller. So they don't have that. Where I think it's more of like when it's the splitting of one egg instead of two. When they're identical. We're fraternal twins. You know that's really super rare because that's two separate eggs. Yeah, uh, you know, it's more like when you have that split where you have your identical twins that they yeah. tend to have, you know, they've done all those tests on them where they can, you know, have that sort of twin ESP, but my brothers don't have it. 
At I've all. always thought that was crazy where like you you know, like those stories where like you punch one and the other one can feel it, or one breaks <laughs> his leg and the other one can feel it. Right. That's crazy. Yeah. <clears throat> yep, they did share that. Yeah, that yeah, that yeah. is a thing. A scientific fact. Yeah. That yeah, that is a thing. I just I just felt so bad for the Hilton sisters knowing that they in real life one was trying to get married and couldn't and they got banned and banned and banned and then they went and did this movie in the 60s and it basically ended their career yeah, yeah. i wanted to, i read that today about the, her not being able to get a marriage license and i wanted to look into it but i didn't have time like what was the what was the excuse of the courts like they're not ungodly. Nice. <laughs> oh, ungodly yeah that's what i that's what i figured yeah it was sinful so it was ungodly less than human because they're yes you know, yeah. abnormal. Mean, meanwhile, in Tennessee, they're trying to fucking pass a law to where you can marry a fucking fourteen-year-old. But right, can join twins? Absolutely not. We don't do politics on the show, but Jesus fucking Christ! <laughs> right. yeah. Yeah. And then they have to yeah. hastily rewrite the law to make it not look as bad as that. Right. <laughs> I just watched Child Bride, which is wrong and wrong and wrong. Mm. That was one of the movies that Joel refused to do on MST3K. Because he was like, I will not fucking do this movie. Yeah. yeah. Child Bride is a fucked up movie. But like, yeah, yeah it's, it's enough to put you off your fucking eggs as they would say. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, they have some jokes in the movie that don't stand up well now. And it, it didn't stand up well then either, to be honest. Um, like the bearded lady, you know, giving birth. And they come... They come over at the bedside and they kneel and they're like, oh, what is it? <laughs> it's a girl. Oh, she's going to have the best beard. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, fuck you too, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I do have to say really quickly, I don't mean not to keep hogging things, Um, is that, you know, I like the characters of Venus and Frozo um, because they genuinely show compassion and, and yeah. that familial sense like, you know, you're one of us, we're all circus performers, you know, we love you, and they look out for them, and they all, you know, they're, they're a part of, like, that whole, you know, goobble gobble where you're one of us, you know, and, um, you know, even at the end, you know, they're, they've been trying to see Hans with, you know, uh, Frida, so it's, it's, uh, it's, it's heartwarming, so we get that contrast to, like, our clear villains in Hercules and Cleopatra, and then, um, you know, then we've got Venus and, and Frozo who are just like, you know, they're, they're really congenial and fun and, um, you know, don't treat them any differently than they treat anybody else in the world. They're, they're just kind, good people. So I like that we have that in there. They're not like, oh, we're normal, so we can't be around you. Like, no, we're all, we're all here together. And I, I really like that about the film. And I think that that was ahead of its time. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I, I wanted to talk about some of the funnier, unexpected, humorous moments in this, but Larry mentioned that at the beginning, was sort of your point. So I wanted to hear, like, what which one struck you as really funny or sort of out of left field that took you by surprise? Because I know a couple that did me, and I wonder if we had the same ones. Uh, man, you know, I had them written down, and then I got rid of them. But like, <laughs> I'll get, I'll get back to you. Yeah, all right. Well, the the one that cracked me up was. Um, uh, Frozo says something about you should have seen me before my operation. I was going to mention that, and one, I yeah. wanted to talk. And that was so. Was that an illusion? Just I didn't quite, you know. 
like, because what was his shtick? Was he was he uh, asexual or? He was a clown. Yeah, it was. A, so what was it about before my operation? I just like that's thrown out there. and It's not expounded upon in any way. It's, right. No, yeah. No kind one mentioned this as yet. So. Oh, leaves okay. it open to interpretation. We know, yeah, we, yeah, we know yeah, clowns yeah. aren't funny, so you know. Yeah. Actually, I do think one of one of the funniest lines is actually when uh, the guy who was dating one of the conjoined twins was like, "I'm not going to have my wife lying in bed half the day with one of your hangovers." <laughs> right. That's the one yeah. yeah. And then just like Which is a great point. Where, like, that's, that's they're, like, they're they both are dating different people, and. Uh, they're like, oh, you should uh, meet this person, or like, it's like you, you can't separate them. Yeah, where do you think you're going to be? It's so weird, <laughs> funny. How do you think this is gonna work out? Yeah, I like the uh, when she's making eggs and she asks Hercules how many you want, and he's like, I'm not that hungry. Maybe six. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, but it, but okay. it is interesting how uh, uh, Hercules and Cleopatra. Are the two most physically beautiful people in the movie. Not that, you know, uh, Frozo and um, Venus. Venus are attractive people Venus too. And, and, even, and even Hans and, and Frida are yeah. like, beautiful. But they're the most obviously statuesque. You know, he's like eight feet tall and huge and she's, you know, tall and beautiful. The peacock of the air, which is ironic later on. Yeah. And they're the, they're yeah. the most, I, I was, I was uh, intrigued at how much I hated Hercules. He was so reprehensible. Yeah. Just a horrible human being. And then the way that uh, Cleopatra laughs when he socks the, uh, the um, uh, what was her name? The, the, you know, the man-woman. Uh, Joseph, Joseph. Joseph, Josephine. Socks her in the eye, and, and, and Cleopatra's looking out the window and starts just cackling hysterically that he just socked this poor woman that he outweighs by 200 pounds. Or, oh, yeah. uh, they were both just horrible. I was surprised by how much I hated them. Just horrible people. I wonder how but, many people seeing it were like, yeah. Which was a bunch of assholes who were like, Oh, yeah. I bet you. Oh, yeah. I bet you living well, in the sure. world that we fucking live in, this shit that I've seen, I'm sure a lot of people thought it was funny. Because, you know, it's sort of to take a line from Night Living Dead 90, they're us, we're them, you know? And that's true for a lot of people. They're just kind of like fucking freaks. Yeah. Like, oh, or, you know, the the those social justice warriors who, you know, go online and say all these wonderful things, but in real life, they're like, oh, no. Yeah. You know? Right. And, oh, yeah. and, it's interesting that you bring up Joseph Josephine because while she was in Britain, um, she got arrested. They came and arrested her um, when she was doing her, her her show. They arrested her and her manager, who happened to be her husband, and they were saying that you know this is a falsity. You're you're selling something that's not true. You're pretending to be something, and she even offered to have x-rays done to prove that she was truthful in, in whatever her act was that was what she was doing. What we and call today an intersex. Right. Yeah. And um, they didn't want that. And um, she just wanted to get out of there. So she pled guilty and they left. And then when she come back, she got cast in, in this movie. So, and that was kind of, sort of the end of her her career uh, wow. after this after this yeah so well, 
I wanted to talk about um, sort of going towards the end because we know this only has a runtime of like 61 minutes. Very short, yeah. Very short because of everything. It was originally 90 Mm -hmm. minutes, so we're missing 30 minutes of stuff because um, when it was first released uh, in in its full, you know, whatever it was, because we don't know, and all the people that know are dead, pretty much. Um, But, uh, yeah, yeah. before they cut it, because it was like negative reviews, they called it too grotesque and stuff. And I still think the ending is chilling, especially you know it really Absolutely. starts to, to pick up steam, you know, after the wedding feast fiasco. <laughs> but then when she's poisoning him, and they've figured this out, you know, Hans has figured out he's getting poisoned by her, and you know his his friends are there, and um. He sees her take the black bottle out because he sits up in bed because he's been, like, not taking the medication. And he sees her with the black bottle, and he's like, I want to know what's in the black bottle. And she's like, your friends need to leave. And he's like, no, my friends are going to stay. And then one of them pulls out a switchblade, starts cleaning it. The other one pulls out a fucking gun. Yeah. yeah right. What's in the What's in the bottle? Give me the bottle. And she does. And, and then it's just like – and then we've got Venus who's – threatened to go to the cops like she's like this is fucked up like no way and you know hercules is gonna go kill her so you know frozo comes to save the day and but you know the part where it's all muddy and rainy and they're climbing through and and going through and they all got you know like the knives and i believe it's uh prince ronaldo was the one Randy Randy. okay i'm sorry i didn't write down the names i apologize for butchering but, you know, with the knife in his mouth, and you know because you just saw him light his own fucking cigarette that you know he can fuck somebody up with that knife. Yeah, I found that interesting because, he, yeah, he's yeah. got the knife in his mouth. So your first reaction is, well, he doesn't have any limbs, but then he's harking <laughs> back to the scene. And apparently one of the excised scenes was him actually rolling that cigarette. And yes. he, apparently he could actually do. Yeah, that well, was he his. insisted that they put it in the film because, yeah. and it worked out really, really well because um, he... It, it it was said that um, his son actually would carry him around the set sometimes when he didn't feel like, you know, sort of like rolling around. But, like, he was he did a lot of things and he wanted to show people, like, hey, look what I can do. Yeah, so when you see him coming with that knife, your first reaction is, you know, a little bit like, oh, and then you think, oh, okay, he probably... Oh, he's going to fuck somebody up yeah, with that knife. With that, and I want to see it. We didn't yeah, get I want to see, see it. it. And I'm wondering, you know, in the lost footage, if we see some more of that stuff. You know, this is pre-code, yeah. and they did some wild shit. <laughs> You've seen a lot of pre-code movies like I have, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, one of my favorites we're going to be doing, not until next season, because we don't have um, space, but, um, you know, we're straight up, it's a fucking Satanist movie, you know, where, like, actual satanic rituals are happening and shit. Like, pre-code Hollywood was crazy. Um, the Black Cat. The Black Cat, you know, it's my yeah. favorite. Black Cat, Bella and Boris. Oh, it's the best. Oh, Love like Boris. Universal yeah. Monsters movie. Yeah. Um, it's considered in that universe. But uh, yeah, it's my favorite movie of theirs together as well because they did like 10 movies together. But anyway, so, you know, with them crawling through the mud and all of them are armed, you know, and, and just coming for them. And it's just like, what's going to happen? And it's actually, it gives me the fucking creeps because I'm like, Oh my God, they're going to fuck these people up. They're going to fuck them up. And I'm glad. I'm glad. I want to see some carnage. I want to see something horrible. And we get horrible. You know, um, um, our dude throwing the fucking knives like it's nothing. Yeah. 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 And, um, <laughs> you just keep coming with those fucking knives too. Like, 
you know, just nailing them. And then, of course, we get our lovely peacock of the, what is it, peacock of the, the skies, Cleopatra. She becomes real peacock. <laughs> I have to mention, um, so in like medieval lore, early modern period, uh, peacock was sometimes a symbol of Satan. Yeah. Uh, because like you think of a peacock, it's beautiful. So it's associated with pride. Pride was the primary sin of Lucifer. So they got uh, kind of conflated together. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. That's we know how Crystal wild. loves peacocks. Fuck. A fucking peacock. Oh yeah, I, I know how you made a rooster or a chicken though, wasn't she clucking? She's a duck. Yeah, she's a duck. Yeah. She did not look like a peacock, but I think you know the symbolism is clear. She was turned into a fowl. Um, so I always considered it that you know it was their version of the peacock she would be, which would be a real fucking ugly one. Right. You know? Yeah. 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 The, the transformation from regal peacock to ugly duckling. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I mean, I still think of her as the peacock. I mean, I guess the consensus is she had run afoul. Shell shots. <laughs> I can do this shit all day, man. <laughs> <laughs> you guys yeah, I really liked how they set that up in the beginning. Uh, normally, I don't like when you start in the past and go backwards like that, but that one actually worked well because throughout the movie, you kind of in the back of your head, you remember like that beginning, but you kind of forget about it. And when they go around it, you're just like, "Gosh, yeah, this this lady got her come up in for sure." Mm -hmm. And they didn't kill her. They didn't kill her, which would have been merciful. They wanted her to suffer. No. Yeah, like what happens to her seems much worse, really. Right. Like, right. Well, they rest of her life like that. Damn. Yeah, considering how vain she was. Yeah, they made her one yeah. of them. Yeah. Yep. And then even they wouldn't associate with her. You know? Like, oh, you look down at us? Look at you, you fucking bitch. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. everyone's looking down on her, too. When, uh, yeah, when literally, looking, right. Literally. Literally looking down, yeah. So it's sort of like the end of The Fly 2, if you remember that movie, which I like better than most people. But right, I love right. The Fly 2. Are you kidding? Oh, really? I thought everybody hated it but me. Oh, no, no, no. no. I'm yeah, the, the ending of that is very similar, if you come to think of it. Yeah, yeah I rewatched The Fly 2, and it was like a lot better than I remembered. And it's got it, some, great, some great violence. It's got some great yeah. violence. And definitely better than what critics gave it credit yeah, for. I I oh, absolutely. I, I, I have a question. I wanted to know that sort of the, the uh, wedding feast scene when they first start saying, you know, we accept you. Were they were they being sincere at that point? They did. Did they know that she was poisoning him at that point, or were they being sincere? You're going to marry him, so now you're one of us. And then, you know, she she you know freaks out because of it. Like, how could I be you know one of your monsters? And then they realize she's really not sincere. Or did they were they having her on at the very beginning? You know, right My away. My personal opinion is like you know. They were doing sort of almost like a ceremonial thing like, okay, well, if this makes Hans happy, then we're going to be happy because they were like a family. So they were doing the ceremonial like, we accept you. Yeah, we accept and, you. And, and she right. really started to get disgusted when everybody's drinking out the huge goblet. And then it came to her and she's just like, oh, never, you know, you know just freaking she out. She loses it. Yeah. Okay. And, and, I, that and, was, that, and yeah, she yeah. just started to poison Hans at that point. At, right no, at that point. No, really. I'm oh, sorry. I, no offense, I can be one of everybody too, but I'm not drinking after nobody. 
<laughs> no, I have a thing about that, but I'm just saying, like, it disgusted her because of who they are. Because of who they were, yeah. Yeah. But I don't want sort of a ritualistic thing that she refused to take part of because she's never going to be one of them. She doesn't right. want to be one of them. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I took it that they were sincerely trying to accept her into their fold, but she rejected it and like was just so transparently repulsed by the offer that then it's like, okay, fuck you, lady. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> And they start spying we on the plan around. <laughs> yeah. they, didn't know, they didn't know she was poisoning him at times. Yeah. That exactly. was the first time she did. Right. She put in a champagne. Right. They happened to spy in the windows. Well, yeah, when she they started spying medicine. after that because they were yeah. like, okay, this bitch. Yeah. <laughs> and it's so, it's so crazy because like, like I said earlier, you know, it's a, it's a tale told through time. Like, that's a story that you you read you can read that once a year in the news about a husband a husband who's slowly poisoning his wife or a wife who's slowly poisoning her husband or any manner of of murder in order to gain some sort of inheritance or life insurance policy or mm. you know that shit's been going on time immemorial you know and and it's just it's it's so interesting like the way that they did it you know, in the context of this film, uh, with the, you know, quote unquote freaks, uh, mm -hmm. you know, and, and like Dave said, you know, with that scene, like her marrying Hans is like, she's marrying all of them. She's becoming part of their family because, you know, they're all together and they're, they're a team, they're a unit, they're a family. And they were accepting her into their family, and mm -hmm. and that she just wasn't ready for that. Well, when I was bringing up the point about eugenics, mm -hmm. does everybody know what eugenics is? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. So with um, a lot of you have to realize a lot of these you know so called freaks were abandoned by their families, um, unless their families had the same disorders or they ran in in the family. Um, some of them were abandoned, you know, like the one lady who was like, these are just children and I'm taking them out to play. And the other one's yeah. like, you, you make me sick. How can you bring them in public? And they're just children, you know, and a lot of these, you know, like, oh, well, in my country, we would, you know, smother them at birth. It's like, you, oh, you motherfucker. And, but, you mm. know, it, this is, that's why the argument is made that this is, you know, saying something about eugenics. But yeah, the, the whole reason that they feel like family is a lot of them their own families deserted them or abandoned them. Um, and, and they found each other. And I, I, I love that aspect of it because sometimes family is the people that we choose, you know? And, yeah. and so that, that brotherhood, like, you know, I don't want anybody. It's so precious to me. Like when that bitch starts, you know, trying to fucking kill Hans, I'm just like, no, why? Oh, you fucking bitch. No. Like <laughs> these, these people have been through enough and, they're just trying to live their lives and they love each other and you're trying to fuck everything up. And who yeah. do you think you are? Yeah. You know, I get so angry. I'm just like, fucking, let's get this bitch. Yeah. I'd well, be I mean, up there rolling in when, the mud with my fucking knife in my teeth too. When you, right. when you when you live your life growing up being treated like an outcast, you know, and then you find a group of people that accept you for who you are, regardless of how you look, regardless of you know, your mental capacity or physical capacity, you know, whatever, they accept you for who you are, that's family. Right. You know, blood right. blood doesn't matter. 
you know? And you know how I feel about that. You know I believe that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's like um, the bearded lady, Olga Roderick. Um, if you read about her past, she started growing a beard, I think, when she was three. Wow. And her mom waited for her dad. He was sent off. She was she was uh, in North Carolina. He was sent off for something. I don't think it was war or anything. He was sent off for something. She sold her to the circus. And they took her to Europe. It took him two years to find her. And when she got to Europe in the circus at like three, she called Typhoid to see her. And so they dumped her in an orphanage. The circus did And so she doesn't know if the people from the circus called her dad or if the orphanage found her family or what. But her dad finally found her in the orphanage in in Europe and brought her back to North Carolina um, until and she would shave all the way up until she was 17 and she was becoming a nurse. And then something horrific happened. Um, She never she never elaborated on that or anything but then she met someone who told her to just grow it out like what do you have to lose just just grow it out and she did and then she started up um like going back on the road and doing sideshow stuff because she said that um she said that nursing just wasn't for her and then that's when she started going back on the road but yeah some of these people that were that were in this movie they were sold into the circus they were they were their families abandoned them. Exactly. And so they become a family. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, even though none of them approved of Cleopatra, um, like a lot of the um, you know, Hans and Frida's friends saw, you know, Cleopatra like commiserating with Hercules and they were just kind of like, Oh God, but we want Hans to be happy. Even yeah. Frida, who's just like, Okay, if if you're gonna be happy Right. You know, just promise me you'll be happy, but I don't think that you're going to be happy with her. She even gets up the courage to go to Cleopatra. Like you, I know what you're doing. You, you have to stop. You know, he's a good guy, and he doesn't deserve what you're doing. And you know, Cleopatra just basically laughs in her face. But it's like these—they were family. You know, they all accepted each other. And nobody looked at anybody weird. You know, it was just like okay. I can live my life here among like-minded people who are going to accept me. And I think that's a beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and yeah. anybody who Absolutely. has to that, they deserve what they get. Right. Right. Um, yeah. The Barker, the Barker says offend one, offend all or, or something to that effect. Right. At yeah. the very and beginning. I, yeah. Yeah. And it's a little bit, a little bit almost like a twilight zone episode uh, uh, feel mm-hmm. to it. But it, it gives us a little taste at the beginning. Although the uh, prologue wasn't in the original film, they had to add that to pad it out. But uh I think it works. You know, it gives us a taste uh, of some foreboding. You know, they we're all, they're looking at something down there. It's hard. The woman screams and like fans. right. We don't get to see it. <clears throat> Very Twilight Zone feel to it. I thought. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, um, you know what I was thinking was uh, uh, an hour long Tales from the Crypt episode. Yeah, could have yeah. been. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely a precursor. You know, these kind of things. You know, are what influenced EC Comics. What influenced Twilight Zone. And a lot of that is some of our earlier tastes of horror. Yeah, that's one of the oh, things. Oh, mine definitely. That, that was what gave me my earliest taste in horror was the Twilight, watching it on a little 12-inch black and white TV in my bedroom. 
The yeah. Twilight Zone, man. Twilight Zone scared the shit I, out of me. I, See, that's... Uh, we, we did a Twilight Zone episode. Way I'd back like to do before. another one. Yeah, we need I, to I, I adored it. It might have been the, only the second episode I was on, I think. Yeah, I think, I think so. so. And I just threw you to the wolves. I this loved it. And yeah, we'll do a second. That's right. one of the things that I wanted to look up before we did this, and I and I totally spaced it, but I wanted to see, and I'm, I know there's a I know there's a list out there. I know there's a way that I can find this, but what movies or what you know filmmakers were directly influenced by this film? Now I know this is Guillermo del Toro. This is his favorite film, um, but I'm curious of like what filmmakers what movies have been directly inspired from this now obviously you know we talked about american horror story and i get the homages from that but candy do you, do you i have just something? have a quick uh thing and, and it's not this film but i was just talking about it and we're about to talk about it on the show so this is preemptive to us talking about cube but i just talked about it yesterday but it was inspired by five characters in search of an exit one of the most famous twilight zone episodes ever mm-hmm. so twilight zone has inspired quite a bit um, you know, and, and some of these older movies have inspired so many things and people think, oh, well, they've forgotten about this movie so we can make it fresh or we can do something with that concept. Um, Larry, I'm sorry. Oh, well, to answer Sean's question, uh, Frank Henlotter is clearly inspired by Freaks. Yeah, well, I was, I had stepped away when you were talking about Basket yeah. Case too, and I fucking adore that movie. I yeah, love that the, movie so that much. Yeah, great, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I love Frank Henelotter. I think he's so underrated. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I wanted to give a shout out real quick to uh, Angelo Rosito. I was going to mention it. Master Blaster. Well, yes, master. the master. Mad Max. The only good thing in Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome. Candy. I was other than, other than Tina Turner's wardrobe. Right, right, right. When I right when I came home from work, I sat down with Candy and and I told her I said, yeah. you know, I was pouring through the trivia on this today, and I'll be damned if this dude didn't play Matt the Master. And I just looked at him like, of course he did. I knew that. Yeah, she was uh, like, I you did, didn't I know did. that. I was like, no, I didn't. Yeah, that's uh, a big that, fan uh, yeah, of Beyond uh, Thunderdome. Shit sandwich, Dome. but that's one part of it I do. Delighted. Oh, I love that yeah. movie, but that's oh, a nostalgia thing for me. Uh, compared to the <laughs> other three, oh. <laughs> I, it had a great theme song. All right. Leave oh yeah, alone. she's severely uh, uh, underrated. That uh, I, I love really that movie. I, don't I need care. another drink. I'll die on the hill. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I don't want Mad Max to love the children. I want him to be a bastard. Oh. <laughs> I, I have a little bit of a, a better piece of trivia from this. Bring that, it up. That one of the gentlemen that are the Rolo brothers that are going back and forth. Uh, one of them voiced Timothy Q. Mouse from um, Dumbo. Yeah, that's right. Oh, wow. Yeah. Interesting. A movie that if it doesn't make you cry, you do not have a soul. You Dumbo, don't. you have no I soul. I baby mine to my children when they were babies. Oh, I'm going to cry right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I used to and I'd get all like emotional. That and Good Night, My Someone from The Music Man, but don't get me started on The Music Man. It's my favorite musical. Oh, the Wells Fargo Wagon, isn't it? Not that part. Oh, you're gone. <laughs> no, let him sing. Sing it, Dave. Let's go. No, no, no not that. I mean, I just hate that song. No. <laughs> oh, it's catchy. I like the uh, light of rose, you know, we got the barbershop quartet, but I'm going off on a tangent. Yeah. Well, if you guys haven't seen the trailer for that fucking Baz Luhrmann Elvis. Oh, my God. It's going to be coming out. Holy oh shit. Oh, my God. I want it. So yeah. Oh, that I looks fucking awesome. I want it in my awesome. eyes. I want it in really? my eyes. Yeah. Well, well, then I won't say anything. 
I may pass on that movie, honestly. A lot of people, it's like Baz Luhrmann, a lot of people are, are they don't care for him. <laughs> but I've, I've never seen one of his films that I don't like. Yeah. Oh, I even liked Gatsby. Yeah, I did. I just find it weird and we're doing an Elvis biopic in 2022 when there's like a million artists that never got a biopic or anything. Well, I, I, I agree with that. Well, see, well, Baz Candy, Luhrmann. Candy and I had this conversation, right? Now, Larry, have you seen Rocket Man? No. You haven't seen Oh my it? Okay. god, it's so good. Okay. So so Rocket the way they did Rocket Man was fucking phenomenal, right? Yeah, I loved it. Better than Bohemian Rhapsody. And so we had talked, what if they had done Bohemian Rhapsody like they did Rocket Man? Right? Dude, much better film. It would I, I love Bohemian Rhapsody. I thought it was a it great was film. It was good, but, but if when they would I have saw done Rocket it, Man, it left it in the dust. If they would have done it like they did Rocket Man, oh my god. I, I think it would have been awesome. Hundred percent. Yeah, but can we get? I mean, come on, can we get a Bob Marley movie like that? Oh, that'd be great. Where he breaks out into song and dance. I'd love. I'd love to see a Bob Marley biopic. I'd love it. <laughs> I'd like to see a good movie about the fucking Ramones. I was gonna say we need a Ramones yeah. fucking. We need a Ramones biopic with the whole them early on in the in that little micro van driving around. Yeah, there's a great story of them stopping at a gas station and some little old lady talking to the manager saying how nice it was that he was taking those four retarded boys out for a drive. <laughs> <laughs> and if they make a Ramones biopic and that scene isn't in it, I'm going to get my money back. Yeah, yeah, like I, that's it. I'm out. Yeah, that's funny. Oh, they're talking about the Ramones, their connection to this movie. Yes, right? um, Pinhead, um, and I knew. I, I was a Ramones fan pretty young, but I was into classic movies very young. So when I heard Pinhead, I knew exactly the reference. But see, I always talk about Joey Ramone pronounces stuff as weird as he wants to, you know, yeah. because they were the first punk band. I don't care who wants to fight me on that one. But they were the first official punk band. And, um, you know, like one of my favorite songs is I Don't Want to Go Down in the Basement. I love that song. Oh god, it's my fucking jam. But he never says either all of the words or like in um um chainsaw, like Ch Texas Chainsaw Massacre, because it would rhyme with me. Right, sure. So so when he does this, you know, he was actually trying to say the gobble gobble, but it, it came out gaba gaba. And it became a huge Ramon saying, Gaba Gaba hair, you know, Gaba Gaba we except you we except you one of us. A lot of people <laughs> know that song, but they don't know about this movie. And during their concerts, uh, I think Tommy Ramon's brother, who was a stagehand or uh, would, help, would come out dressed as Zippy the Pinhead. I know that's not culturally appropriate now, but no, it, it is not. What, they were called pinheads back then. Would come out and hold up the signs because it was an audience participation piece. Yeah, he was. A, he, he looked kind of like a mic microcephalic uh, person. <laughs> Uh, yeah, the whole, the whole, I, I love that connection to the Ramones. Oh, yeah. The Ramones, oh, yeah. like, they're just. I've got a Ramones tattoo for crying out loud. I'm a well, fan. I don't yet, but I will. Oh, yeah? <laughs> um, when Joey Ramone died, like, that was like the day the music died for me a little bit. All four of the original ones are dead now. I know. And it, like, breaks my heart because. I like, got to see them live. All, to... The original lineup, I got to see them in Austin, Texas, uh, way back. It would have been in uh, 87, I guess. Uh, I got to see them live at uh, uh, Aquafest in uh, Austin. That is really amazing. Um, it was a I big was, thrill. I was a little young. And it was exactly, well, you know, and it was exactly what you would expect. It was so just loud and fast. And, I and never awesome. did get to see them. And there's a reason that I didn't, but I, 
No regrets, I guess. Uh, I had to do what I had to do. <laughs> anyway, it's, thank the, it's, we've become the Ramones show. Well, I mean, the Ramones do tie in here, and I think that it's important that people who are not aware of that connection know that. Because it became such a staple of the Ramones. Everybody, gaba gaba hey, or, you know, gaba gaba. But then there were the Ramones, their whole, their, their whole shtick was, we're not the beautiful people. We're, we're the other people. We're the other ones. Yeah, Jerry Ramone, I love still going back and watching interviews with him and just seeing where they pulled, you know, they were horror fans, especially Joey, and, um, you know, just where they pulled this stuff from. So, like, a lot of people, everybody knows Pinhead, the song, but they don't know the connection. Maybe they've never even heard of Freaks. So maybe this will take, somebody will go, oh, there's a connection. I should check this fucking movie out that's literally 61 minutes long. You know, maybe we're we're getting them to... You know, the Ramones fans, and, and they're going, hey, oh, that's pretty cool. I didn't know that. So if it gets one more person to watch the movie, I'm, I'm happy. I mean, that's kind of what we're doing here. These are, like, vocal persuasive essays. At least on my part. I'm trying to persuade people. Cue laughter. That was supposed to be funny. God, every time I try <laughs> to be funny. I really try to be funny. All right. Um, we're getting pretty close to, um, we're at final thoughts because we got to do verses. Um, so final thoughts on freaks, anything anybody want to say? Uh, actually, I just want to say, um, it, you were talking earlier about how, you know, people who accept you is, you know, family and whatnot. And that's one of the reasons why I like coming onto this show is because you guys immediately accepted me, even though I have just some dude. I mean, I'm a little bit more famous now, but at the time, I was just... <laughs> <laughs> Look at you, letting it all go to your head. <laughs> oh, but, uh, that, you know, uh, that's why I like coming on the show. You guys are, are my freaks, so... Hell yeah. <laughs> and you're ours. And you're ours. Absolutely, and you <laughs> yeah, are like, more than welcome. The thing about this, this show is that we are family. That's right. And we keep it real around here. That's like, why it's the house. Family. That's why it's the house. That's right. <laughs> So I, that that warms my heart. Thank I you. I love you guys. Oh, you guys so love much. Love you too. Gobble gobble. Yeah. <laughs> Let somebody come try fuck with one of you. Come on, come after right. yeah, Look what happened. Switchblade in my mouth. I'm be polishing my gun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm so anti-gun. That's hilarious to even think about. Uh, <laughs> Any anybody else have final thoughts before we head um, to verses? I, I just. just Oh, no, 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 no. Go ahead, Erica. Okay, just super quick. So some of the scholarly you know, or academic books I've read that talk about this movie, a lot of them talk about it in the context of silent films through films of the early 30s may be in part a reaction to uh, World War One. All these soldiers came back maimed, missing limbs. So there, there was kind of a fascination in horror films of this era with uh, characters who were disfigured or maimed in some way so that this definitely could fit in with that but yeah it also kind of plays into some of this rhetoric around eugenics for sure and eugenics so. a lot of people don't realize that was a real thing i mean yep. it's talked about but like especially up in new england they did a lot of actual experiments with eugenics it's kind of like a dirty part of history that nobody likes to talk about but mm -hmm. if you do your research look into new england history with eugenics you're going to find some really scary shit and it's no coincidence that that's what lon cheney you know came up is that same period where people were fascinated with 
you know, uh, disfigurement. I mean, that's how he made his bones was playing these horribly either disfigured or you know, freakishly unusual characters in one form or another. And, and, and the way he did it too was, I don't did the, did the viewing public back then have an idea of how he achieved these effects? Did they know the lengths that he went through back then? Mm, I don't think so. No, I think well, it, was it was just, it was just started. Started. Yeah, yeah, but anyway, that, 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 yeah, he, he came along at the right time. Yeah, that mm-hmm. post-World War One fascination with mutilation yeah. and, and horror. Well, wasn't and eugenics ended up being something that the Nazis were experimenting yeah. on? Yeah, the Nazis, but yeah. And- yeah, they were they were experimenting with that, but also, like I said, look into New England history yeah. here mm-hmm. in the U.S. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. I wanted to throw out the alternate titles for this film really quickly. Um, that is the monster story, um, forbidden love. And nature's mistakes. Oh, yeah. no. I know. Yeah, that's a bad title. I'm glad they didn't go with that. No shit. Yeah, freaks works because it's offensive, but it's also not offensive because who's the real freaks? You know, it right. makes right. racist questions instead of saying nature's mistakes. Like, yeah. well, certainly not offensive. Now we've co-opted that that term freaks, and now it's a, it's a badge of honor now. At least yeah like whereas like even back in the 80s being a nerd was the worst thing in the world now being a nerd is the coolest thing in the world it's hip you know it's just it's a badge of honor huey lewis was right that it is hip to be square (laughs) huey Huey lewis Lewis is always right huey lewis is always right no he's not um No, the harder uh, rock and roll is. Come on, but like square, like I wouldn't call myself a square because I'm not. Oh wait, that wasn't Huey, but still. I don't see you as a square, Kenny. But yeah, as far as the eugenics thing, so PSA: any eugenics program would never work because of genetic drift, and that's all I have to say on that topic. So fuck eugenics. There's a lot to be said about eugenics. Like I could talk in depth about it. There are some interesting books that I've read, but yeah, there's yeah. there's some hidden history on that that yeah. worth looking into. So, yeah. so basically, if you aren't familiar with uh, genetic drift, basically any genetic trait you try to stamp out through eugenics or any program like that, it's going to spontaneously reassert itself in the gene pool. Yeah. So fuck so. you, Bill Gates. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's Mother Nature telling us to cram it. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yep, exactly. Yeah. Hey, who the fuck do you think you are? Mother Nature doesn't like it when I'm <laughs> <laughs> But uh so at this portion of the show, we are gonna get before we get into Sean Shady reviews, we're gonna do our verses. For the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world. who submitted it because I got like a bunch of rapid fire and then nothing. So uh, tonight's is Pinhead versus Candyman. Discuss. Well, who would can, win in a fight? Can I go first? Yes, sir. Yeah. Okay. So picture this, right? <laughs> how is this? How, how does this work? Pinhead versus Candyman, right? Because they both have to be summoned. Yes. Right. right. So the way I see it, Somebody's having some problems with Candyman, right? So they're they're hanging out in Cabrini Green. Candyman, bitch. And they're and they're having some issues with Candyman. Well, they just so happen to have a lament configuration. 
right? And so, right. and so he's he opens it up, and you know, Pinhead's like, "You opened the box, we came," and you know, so he's this dude's like, "Look, man, I'm, you know, I'm having some having some problems with this this dude. He's he's trying to kill me," and so you know, obviously, Pinhead's like, you know, we tear souls apart. That's what we do. Candyman is essentially a fucking spirit trapped on fucking earth. I'm I'm just whole hog candy. I'm sorry. Pinhead fucking owns this shit. There's no fucking Pinhead owns this shit. Look. Fuck you. Look. <laughs> look. There's there's nothing in Candyman's arsenal that is going to affect Pinhead, right? What's he got? He got bees and he got a hook. And, okay. Okay. And, I'll bring up my point. No, when it's my okay. Turn. Yeah. Yeah. When it's your turn. Fuck um, you. <laughs> but, but look, 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 no, no, no. Pinhead's got this. The only thing, the only thing that Candyman can do to beat Pinhead is to close the box. But he's only got one hand. <laughs> so he's, I mean, he's handicapped right off, right off the bat. And Are you I love, listening to Hollywood. Oh, he's and I handicapped. Love, Listen to you. And I love. <laughs> And I, considering tonight's episode. Yeah, though. I know, I know, and I apologize. I was just like, wow, freak. But but look, I love Candyman. I, Candyman's a badass, right? And and to be fair, they've both had their ass kicked by normal humans, right? So 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 they're on even playing fields. But one's a spirit, one's a demon, and I think Pinhead's got it. A demon to some, an angel to others. <laughs> okay. I have to argue the opposite way. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I mean, I love Pinhead to death, uh, you know, before the franchise sucked anyway. <laughs> Which was after two. Yeah, it was after two. It's like just two good movies. But then again, like the Candyman <laughs> franchise has not been stellar for the most part. So. Correct. Uh, but okay, so... I feel like Candyman would win just because it's so much easier to summon him. Like anyone can summon Candyman. They just have to say his name five times. Whereas to summon Pinhead, you need the damn box and you have to open it correctly. And also once you open the box, uh, Pinhead and his crew are bound by certain rules. Like, um, you know, like, yeah, they can really fuck someone up, but it has to be for specific reasons and in specific ways. It seems like there are all these these rules in that franchise about what they can do to people and when. Whereas Candyman, like as long as you someone says his name five times in front of a mirror, like he it kind of just gives him free reign to just fuck up everyone in the orbit of the person who summons him. Which is why I would think that Candyman would probably win. One pinhead and one Candyman. Guess I'll go. Um, I'll follow that up with a uh, Candyman would win. Okay, next. Uh, I, hey, I'm not done. <laughs> uh, so, that uh, many of the points that Erica brought up, um, you know, it's, it's um, you know, Pinhead himself says, you know, I, I had, like, lead Cenobite or whatever, I had Cenobite. Uh, and the first one, you know, like, they're just there because they were summoned, and they, like, the other Cenobites, you'll see them try to attack, but he's just kind of there. You know, like, you, you, you opened the box, we came. But Pinhead himself didn't really do anything. Um, but, you know, you summon Candyman and he's like, I'll rip you from groin to sternum. And, he, you know, you hear him like 
or see him, you know, viciously taking that hook and being like, uh, 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 uh. <laughs> yeah. You know, like so fucking aggressive and sexual in a way. Um, I just think like he would just go to town while, you know, Penhead's, ex- you know, pontificating about Angel to some. And, you know, like, <laughs> he's a fucking yeah. Yeah. Candyman would tear his ass. He would tear his soul apart. I'm just saying. Yeah. Well, I, I, I guess I could see it as like, you know, they. Pinhead would see Candyman ripping somebody apart and be like, I'm kind of into this. Yeah. Let's go. Need a job? This pleases us. This pleases us. But yeah, so we got two Candyman, one Pinhead. Who is next? I have a feeling I know what Crystal's going to (laughs) say. I'll I'll go real quick. All I'm going to say is, well, we're we're operating under the the assumption that they are going to fight. Now, we've been talking a lot about how we could get them to fight, but the whole point is they're going to fight. Otherwise, this right. whole question is moot. I've got to go with Pinhead because he brings his friends with him. Pinhead brings his friends. He's you know he's got like four of them. Candyman's just one guy. I can't. Oh, I, I, I guess I didn't think about it that way. I always thought about like you know mono a mono. Right. right. This, I, I just picture Pinhead showing up with his friends and this is just being an ass whooping. But Pinhead himself wouldn't do shit. His friends would. Yeah, yeah. yeah he's, he's right. He, he's a pussy ass bitch. But you right, have to. You have to keep in mind, you have to keep in mind, Pinhead can manipulate. He doesn't have to do shit, right? Pinhead can send the chains out. You think about think about in the first Hellraiser, right? When she goes into the attic and Pinhead's there and you have all of those columns with all of the chains and the organs and the ears and all that stuff hanging on him. He can manipulate, you know. So if you need a mirror in order to deal with Candyman, he can summon a room full of mirrors and bitch slap Candyman like nobody's business. Right? You follow me? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I got it. Yeah. You, you mean like Pinhead could just say Candyman five times in a room full of mirrors and then just fuck him up? I mean, if he, I mean, if he so choose. I mean, what if you say it into into more than one mirror at once? Now, oh shit! Oh, then you get got a lot of Candymans. Candy yeah, so I, I've already. Blown That's like a multi, the multiverse of Candymans. Right. Yeah, like Candyman all the way down. All right, Chris, man, Crystal, Larry, who's up? Oh, I will say, can there be a draw? I, there can. You there can, can do whatever you want. Excellent question. The house of screams. You it's can your, do what you it's want. your movie, Larry. You, I, you write like, it however you thing. want. Candyman's like a, a ghost. You can't really kill a ghost. He's, you know what I mean? Like, what's he going to mm. do? He rips him apart. He just comes back. You know what I mean? So I, I don't think Candyman could do anything to Pinhead. I mean, Pin's got all of his chains and his buddies. And, you know, maybe... You know, Candyman can bust out a, a hammer, you know, nailing some of those those nails. <laughs> you know, man. Like, Let me get those for you. Yeah. You know, or <laughs> uses the hook to be like, boink, boink, boink. <laughs> Starts pulling them out, yeah. Right. You know, I, ow, I ow, personally ow. think it ends up them uh, drawing, being a friends, and, you know. And then Candyman's a Cenobite, and... Yeah. We're all dude, fucked. If Candyman becomes a Cenobite. <laughs> then I suddenly Hollywood, want a lament configuration. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck. <laughs> I have a sexual a... attraction to Candyman. Tony Todd, come on. All right, Crystal. Hell so, so you took part of what I was going to say. Um, say it again. <laughs> I will. <laughs> so, yes. So, Pinhead versus Candyman, they're both Clive Barker. So, in the Clive Barker universe, Candyman is 
a Cenobite. So technically, deep dive, Pinhead would win because if, you know, if we're summoning, so Candyman's already there, Pinhead is the ultimate Cenobite. So he can dismantle Candyman. Yeah, he works for him. Good answer. Good answer. Yeah. You've convinced thought of that. (laughs) So, way to think about it. So, I think we have a clear winner here. Candy, do you want to announce it? You. Fatality, <laughs> flawless victory. Oh it was not God. flawless. There were two people who were on the Candyman side. It was not flawless. I just want. I just want to see Candyman and Pinhead like go on a road trip together, where they like become friends. You see them bonding over. It's like know, a like a buddy film, playing jokes on each other. You know, like with the, 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 the whipped cops. cream on the hook. You know? I mean, do the MST3K I- thing. Candyman it's and Pinhead, they're cops. <laughs> they solve crimes together, yeah. but they're cool. But they're kind of cool, you know. And then solve they're, them. They have to just go in disguise. Oh, oh yeah, I'm, I'm writing the script tonight. How do you disguise Pinhead? <laughs> I don't know. Got the coat, know, but like, like Larry said, you just nail them, you just nail them down. Well, see now I'm now I'm so, picturing. You go to Hellraiser three, and yeah. you see where he flipped back and forth, yeah. and he goes, eh, and we go. Ugh. And, I never uh-huh. went to Hellraiser three. I stopped. <laughs> yeah, and then eventually they open a bar together, and they you know, you know as long as I can put him in my trifecta of phone book reading, I'm going to be fine. Tony Todd, uh-huh. or or yeah. Doug Bradley. No, 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 Tony Daddy Todd. Doug I want him to say one. my name the way he says Helen, and just record it and listen to it on a loop. Okay. You know, I have I have to tell you guys when we met Daddy Doug and and David took up most of the time talking. And was telling him how most <laughs> everybody, people again, how most everybody said that Hellraiser Two was the better film, and I went to say and tried to be like because you know that was the Cenobite you know backstories, and Daddy Doug was like, "Tell them they're wrong." I was like, "Oh, okay, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, they're wrong. Yeah, they're wrong. They're Anything wrong. you say, whatever you say, sir. One, yes, sir. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, you sir. I have another. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Yes, Daddy Doug. Yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Daddy Bradley. <laughs> he does. He was very nice. He well, was very you, nice. Candy, when very you nice. when you said uh, uh, you wanted to see Pinhead in a disguise, I just for some reason couldn't help but think of that scene in Reanimator when he's got the lab coat on, but he's got that <laughs> got the fake head. <laughs> the fake head. You see, <laughs> see Pinhead they, like just kind of going around with right. a fake head. Comedy gold. <laughs> yeah. I think one of those like glasses that have the nose. The nose. <laughs> All yeah. the pins are still there, but it's just the glasses <laughs> and the nose. The hat on that shit. Maybe put some banging earrings. Yeah. Yeah. Doctor's orders. These are doctor's nails. orders. Just don't worry about it. <laughs> this is like, I'm just really sure into body mods, man. Right. All right. The time has come. Crystal? I like that tune. I try. All right, so uh we got some we got some really fucking mean people here. Wow. Oh, I bet. Oh, really boy. Uh, they always do. Um, <clears throat> these are all one-star reviews. Um, I've gotten them from IMDb and Letterboxd. Um, there are a lot of assholes on Letterboxd. Um, 
Really? Ah. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, our first one uh, comes from Spotlight Me, a simply awful movie. I guess I might be the first person to write a one-star review of this movie, which surprises me because this film is not only poor, but in my view, it exploits the disabled. Seriously, I cannot see the point of this film. I must add that I didn't watch all of the film. I couldn't. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, one of those people. (laughs) Please don't get me wrong. It's not because these people are disabled that I switched it off. It's simply that the story and the premise sucks. Of course, no one can expect Oscar-winning performances from these people. But the point is... Oh, my God! Exactly. The point is they serve no purpose other than to stand there so the viewer can gawp at them. Um... Didn't watch a whole movie. Okay, I can't. Right, so, exactly. Okay, they're, they're complaining about this film being ableist or, you know, discriminating against disabled people. But then he, like, outright says, I wouldn't expect any of these people to give an Oscar-winning performance. Like, yeah. What the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> Just hold on yourself, buddy. Right, right. <laughs> All right, our next one comes from uh, Taylor. Um, he says, this is the most disturbing and offensive movie I've ever seen. I don't understand how something like this ever came to fruition. Shame on MGM and anyone who greenlit this. Shame on them. I rate it zero stars if I could. All those characters are beautiful and sweet and didn't deserve any of this. Um, the next one is from Alice. I hated almost every second of this. I'm sorry. Apology um, accepted. Yeah, yeah. Stop, <laughs> stopped at 15 minutes and no more. This is not film, bro. Oh, bro. Okay. (laughs) Wow. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Drew Bass says, um, fuck this movie. And that's it. That's the review. (laughs) Cosmic Nothing says, don't trust people named Todd. They might make a film like this. Okay. That's the best you could do. Right. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) All the Todds in the world, fuck you. <laughs> fuck you in particular. Unless you listen to this podcast, then we love you. Um, <laughs> Mason LOL, if you gave it more than two stars, it was 100% out of guilt. <laughs> what the fuck? The fuck? The fuck is wrong with you people? And there were some others. There were some others that were really mean, and I just I chose not to read them because... It's right. it's a disparaging limit on how much but file you can handle. I do want to point out on Rotten Tomatoes, the critics gave this ninety five percent. Yeah, and the audience gave this eighty eight percent. And yeah. and in comparison to another film of of it at its time, Nosferatu, the critics gave Nosferatu slightly better. But the audience chose this one over Nosferatu. So. There you go. I think this is a better film than Nosferatu, and I love Nosferatu. Yeah. Yeah. I think this This is a better film. This still has more to say. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I'd like to see if that review with the tie, I'd like to see if they left a review on Dracula. Yeah, right. How they were like, this movie was stupid. I turn off of it in 15 minutes. All they do is talk. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Bro. <laughs> bro. Besides bro, bro. probably the only other word they can actually spell correctly is axe. 
got roasted, bro. <laughs> okay. So if that is the end of the shitty reviews. Yes, it is. I will go into mine. Um, I shitty review? Going... <laughs> yeah, I was confused there. I guess we'll find out, won't we? Right. Huh, jumping the gun a little, aren't you? I guess. <laughs> assume <my> much? <laughs> what they say about assume? Makes an ass out of you Bro. your face. Anyway, um, so I give this film a 9.5 out of 10 peacocks. Um, the 0.5 is for something I usually don't take points off of. Uh, for, but, uh, cause we've, we've done other films like Event Horizon where there was missing footage, but I'd really, really like give my right arm to, to see the rest of it. And I really wish that, you know, we had better film preservation techniques or somebody would have, you know, carefully stored it away. Um, just so I could see the rest of it that they thought was too shocking. You know, they were really cracking down on things this is you know before the code but you know still they were oh think about the children but we still have that in place a little bit now but uh yeah so i think this is just a really really great film dealing with some sensitive subject matter in an empathetic and sympathetic way um a very human way and and human nature can be both wonderful and terrible and I think this movie, even in its 61-minute runtime, manages to show us these things. And it, that is it, tremendously hard to do, especially when, you know, the film was cut by the producer without Todd Browning's permission. So we have to, you know, know about that. That, you know, Todd Browning did not approve these cuts. And, you know, but they were just not going to release it after the negative... Uh, you know, reception, you know, people calling it too grotesque or whatever, but it's like, what part of it was grotesque, I wonder, to the audiences, though? You know, because we're dealing with the subject matter of freaks, and we are dealing, obviously, with the subject matter of disfigurement and stuff, but um, seeing how even today people are still very uncomfortable with the subject matter, thinking they're, like... Oh, you know, these they weren't treated, you know, we're looking at them in, in, a, in a way that's exploitative. And I'm like, it is not exploitative. As a matter of fact, I think it shows a very human side, a very empathetic side that was really not heard of at that time, except among circus folk. And, um, you know, like I said, a lot of these, these um, so-called, and I use air quotes every time I say this, freaks, um, you know, that were born with these conditions, they were abandoned. And, you know, we see that and how they form their own family and their own place. And, and, and just in that short period of time, there, there are directors today that can make a four-hour movie and not accomplish that. So to have those severe cuts, but I just would have loved to have seen the rest of it. And, you know, there is a little bit that falls uh, a little flat. You know, some of the comedy, I don't, I, I, I can't imagine it ever being funny, but, <laughs> um... Even back then, and I watch a lot of old movies, so it was just like that. I don't know if they were trying to lighten the mood, but it, it, I just liked when it felt real, which was most of the time. So an almost perfect score for me, 9.5 out of 10 peacocks. Yeah, and I, I got to give this uh, 9 out of 10 switchblades. Um, I think this film is just phenomenal. Uh, it's beautifully shot. Uh, it's gripping, it's suspenseful, um, it, 
and it, like I said, it's a, it's a tale told through time, uh, but it's the way that they tell this story. Uh, the fact that it was authentically cast, you know, um, they, they didn't just pull some random, you know, actors to play these roles. Uh, they, they took people that, you know, f- from their real life situations and, and put them in this film. Um, something I wanted to touch on that I didn't get a chance to, to touch on earlier. Uh, this is included among the uh, 1001 movies you have to see before you die. Um, this is uh, ranked number three in Entertainment Weekly's top 50 cult films of all time. Nice. And included among the American Film Institute's list of 400 movies nominated for the top 100 greatest American movies. Um, anybody that has not seen this film, you do yourself a disservice. Watch this film. It's fucking amazing. That's a great review. Um, who would like to go next? Okay, I'll go. Okay. I, I've said uh, a hundred times on this show that my favorite thing is finding, watching these films that I wouldn't have watched otherwise. I said I was aware of this film, but I never, I always avoided it, and I'm so glad I finally got to watch it. It, it was, it was affecting. It was beautiful. I love the acting. I guess uh, a, a modern person might criticize some of the acting as being a little broad, but that's the way, I mean, talkies had only been around for a short time. That's the way they acted. They projected to the back rows. These were all stage actors who were just, you know, learning to act on film. So they, when they, especially, especially Hercules, he really does a great job of really good selling it to the back seats there. Um, uh, I got to give it nine out of 10, uh, 30 minutes of film that I need to see. Because exactly. I mean, <laughs> yes, it's just, you know, the ending of this is considered one of the most, you know, terrifying moments in history. Imagine what we didn't see. Great. Apparently, you know, her legs crushed by a falling tree, a falling lightning struck tree, and them actually mutilating her, and Hercules being castrated, and then forced to sing as a castrato to her quacking. Yeah. You know, and, uh, this is this because uh, they were they deserve it. I mean, Hercules is great practice deserve what they got. I wanted to see what they got more. I guess that makes me a horrible person, but no, no. it doesn't. I want to see horrible it. people. Um, I, I, I loved it. I, I love, I loved this film. I, I loved, um, the feeling of family you got, the unity between the circus people, you know, offend one, offend all, you know, <laughs> I, I think as horror fans, we all of us are freaks in a way. And we've all found that, you know, sort of a group of people who, I, I as we were younger, probably didn't have, I didn't, uh, I've only discovered that as I've gotten older and it's great. I love having a, a family of freaks to share time with. Absolutely. I ain't gonna ask you to cut nobody's legs off, but <laughs> but I would, I would do it for you. That that most pleases and horrifies me at the same time. We can make it look like a fucking accident. Too. Yeah, no, she got to say she can make it right. <laughs> We're just kidding, people. Or are we? Or, or are we? Are we? Are we? One of us. Um. <laughs> I'm going to give this nine out of 10 secondhand lit cigarettes. Uh, you know, kind of a germaphobe. So the fact that uh, Prince Randian's over there just kind of licking, licking everything. I just, I don't know. Um, <laughs> this movie's great. Uh, we didn't touch on how it was uh, kind of rediscovered and redistributed in the 60s, but they colorized it. So I know Shame. some... I know, I know. There, there are some people who are like you know, black and white. No, it's not for me. I don't, I don't want it. I don't want anything to do with it. It, it really is a fantastic movie, and it is beautiful in black and white. 
if you have, you know, just kind of some some kind of neurodivergence against black and white films, it, there is a colorized version of it. it. It is worth your time, and it is only 64 minutes. There are a couple of alternate endings where they they did some alternate cuts at the end um, that they tested in different markets because some markets felt that the ending where they cut to um, Olga as uh, the duck and then showed Hans and Frida hugging was too much and that kind of portrayed them as evil. Um, they cut that part out, just showed her as the duck. Um, and then some audiences felt that that was just, that didn't, that wasn't a good ending. So there's a couple of different endings out there too. Um, but I wish we had that other 30 minutes that's just kind of floating around out there. Mm. Um, this is a great movie. I'm glad that I got to see it so much um, in my youth. I'm glad that my grandparents exposed me to it because they weren't really into horror movies, but they were into old movies. So I got to watch a lot of black and white movies, a lot of silent films, a lot of lot of um, this pre-code era uh, movies. So um, nine out of 10 secondhand lit cigarettes. There we go. Okay, who wants to go next? Um, I can go. I have to give this uh, movie 10 out of 10 gold digging hoes. Um, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I have to agree with like points that others brought up. Like, you know, definitely the acting style would you know not be considered good now, but it was pretty typical of films of that era. And uh, you know, but but for me, this this movie like still works in, in spite of that, and it's still disturbing to this day. Um, the story's like touching and and just like. It, it like the ending is is still shocking i think it it definitely holds up and i think every uh horror fan and not just horror fans but anyone serious about uh, studying film history needs to see this movie absolutely okay uh larry you're up uh i give it eight out of ten google gobbles <laughs> uh yeah no um it's a really good movie i think what's biggest takeaway for me is how we're still not the most empathetic people in the world and we can always use more empathy. Um, so I think people should watch the movie and, and kind of realize that because um, we're all, we're all in this together. So yeah. Remember. Yeah. As we used to say on this podcast, be kind to one another. If nothing else, be kind. True. Until it's no longer time to be kind. <laughs> yeah, <I> mean, <laughs> and then we gotta on. cut your fucking legs off, you motherfucker, <laughs> you. Right. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. Um, I'm glad that we're able to dive more into classics. I know it was a big uh gamble, and I pushed for it uh, on my part because I make the schedule, but to do the bad seed. And when the bad seed did very, very well, I was like, oh, okay. Such a good We're going to do this. Mm -hmm. So we've got right. a lot more classics coming your way, guys, um, out there listening. 
We appreciate you um, joining us for this talk. <coughs> and um, if you haven't seen the film, even though we've talked a lot about it, it, there, it seeing it is different than hearing about it. Oh, yeah. A lot of people, you know, hearing just the conversation tonight had heard about the film. It's infamous. Um, but seeing it's something else. And um, it'll definitely raise questions. And then next thing you know, you're down the rabbit hole with classic horror and classic films. And, and you'll be so glad that you went there. Yeah. And if you haven't seen it and you're still listening at this point, spoiler alert. Oh, yeah. Right. <laughs> Go watch the fucking movie. It, well, it's been 90 years. <laughs> we, we, we really haven't because um, I, my mother, she spoils everything. Sean knows this. I mean, Absolutely. He, he hates spoilers. <laughs> like, he, he tries to avoid my mom. I had, the same books. I had just started reading The Talisman. Oh. And never read. And never read it. And I was like 30 pages in, and she, can't, I think Candy had told her I was reading it. And she straight up tells me the ending. <laughs> and I'm like, and, and, and I know, I know it's all about the journey. It's not about the ending. It's all about the journey. But I'm like, you know what? I'm not even going to waste my fucking time. Well, and the thing is, is like I told him, I grew up like this. I knew what every birthday present was, every Christmas present <laughs> I ever had. I never had any surprises in my life. Not until we, we got together. Because um, Sean likes to surprise me. But, you know. I, I never had any surprises in my life. So my mom would tell me, like, the entire plot of a movie. And I'm like, okay. So I learned how to find my enjoyment, which is why I'm so weird about how I watch movies. No one can talk to me. Lights have to be off. You cannot you cannot suck me out of it. I have to enjoy the movie. Which is hilarious because she loves Mystery Science Theater where they talk through the whole <laughs> no. fucking movie. <laughs> Don't you fucking listen. Don't. Get out don't. of my psyche, all right? I love Mystery Science Theater because I don't give a fuck about the movie. Um, or if the parts of the movie I care about are what they're joking about. But, like, that's different. When I'm sitting down to watch a film, like an actual film, you don't speak to me. I get No, I get it. I get Remember it. Remember when we watched Halloween Kills together, all of us? And I, and everybody said I was judging it. No, I just I'm real serious when I watch a movie. I'm like I got to get into the movie. No, because my mom that she spoiled books for me. She spoiled whatever, and so like I just get transported into it. So even though I know what's going to happen, it is about the journey, and that's something that he will just he hears the spoiler and it's over for him. Me, I'm like I've heard spoilers my entire fucking life. <laughs> like yeah. no, Cheyenne Cheyenne taught us into watching Encanto uh, last weekend, oh, and so we're watching. We're watching it, and she's like, every like five minutes, oh, they do such and such and such and such, like whatever's going to happen next in the movie. And I'm like, okay, spoiler alert. And yeah. She's like, okay. And like, <laughs> then she keeps on, and like the next five minutes of the movie happen, and like she's like, oh, and then this is going to happen. And I'm like, okay, spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> she's like, okay. Yeah, I mean, you know, just with, with kids, you know. You just got to try and be like, hey, it's it's not cool to do that or whatever. But, you know, right. they're little. They don't get it. When grown-ass adults do it, you're like, oh, man. Yeah. Right. Come yeah, on. I, I, I like won't tell it now. I, oh, I'm sorry. I, I, I won't tell it now because we're running long, but I've got the best story about having a movie ruined for me. I'll tell it some other time. I don't want to, we're running long. I don't want to, remind yeah, me. Remind me next it. time. I, yeah, I, I look forward a, to hearing it. Yeah, it's a good me one. too. But it's a good one. You're going to go, oh, my God. <laughs> I can't wait Somebody to hear it. I, we might have to compare notes. But yeah. um you guys, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for watching the movie if it was your first time or you revisit it 
for the purposes of this, it's always a, a, a fun one to go back and, 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 you know, um, experience again. So I'm a big rewatcher, rereader, whatever, but thank you all for being here and your lovely conversation as always. And, um, I love you guys and have a good night. Thank you for all right. Here, love you guys. Good night. Love you. Good night. Take care. Bye. Thanks, Larry. <laughs>